0: Learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash TalkAwayTheDark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons and this is Reset. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for our weekly news recap. Detailed U.S. census numbers were released today, and it shows a shift in the demographics and population in Chicago and in Illinois over the past decade. The new numbers also mean state lawmakers are going to have to redraw the legislative maps they just agreed to. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration is finally talking about how they plan to spend nearly $2 billion in federal stimulus money. The
1: first Chicago police officer to be fatally shot in the line of duty in two years sets off a host of behind-the-scenes fights.
0: This constant strife. Is not what we need in this moment. Plenty to dig into. My panel today is Greg Hines, political writer for Crane Chicago Business. Greg, welcome back. Nice to talk to you. And Heather Sharon, Chicago politics reporter for WTTW. Hey, Heather. Hey, Sasha. Heather, I'll start with you, and we've got to start with the killing of Chicago police officer Ella French. Now, for anyone who hasn't been following this, can you tell us what happened last Saturday in Englewood?
2: Well, She and her partner attempted to pull over a car that apparently had expired license plates and she was shot and killed Um, and her partner was grievously wounded and is still in the hospital and uh, that has just prompted an outpouring of grief and it has really widened the already significant breach between the police department and Mayor Lori Lightfoot.
0: Now, police have arrested two brothers for this uh, shooting. What are the details on that, Heather?
2: Well, um, the two brothers are being held without bail, and they both face murder charges in connection with, um, with the killing of Officer French. A third man uh, faces charges for providing the gun to these brothers. Um, he apparently bought it as like a straw purchaser, where he, he didn't intend to keep the gun, but the brothers could not pass a uh, background check, and he gave them the gun. Uh, the superintendent police uh, chief Brown, David Brown, was was furious when as part of an agreement with federal prosecutors, a federal judge allowed that person to be released on bail, saying that he should have been held um, because of his role in the, the death of officer French. Um, so that sort of is part of, has been part of the, the criticism that has been leveled at the court system for, for years now by the mayor and the superintendent. And it really shows you just how fraught this whole situation really is.
0: Well, speaking of the mayor, Greg, I want to turn to you now because these shootings, they also put a really big spotlight on her relationship with the police. They literally turned their back on her at the hospital when she visited those wounded officers and their families at the time. Put this into context for us, Greg.
1: Well, the, the first bit of context uh, is that uh, no mayor in my memory has been really popular among police. I mean, maybe Richard J. Daley, uh, but they've all they've all had their problems um, at one time or another, uh, and it comes with the job. And part of the job that, that Mayor Lightfoot has particularly grabbed onto. Is is the perception in much of the minority community that police act like an occupying army rather than a friend much of the time that they go overboard, uh, they abuse particularly young black people, uh, and that and that that needs to be controlled and police like everybody else in life needs to be held accountable, and some police officers do not want to hear that, uh, but I think the mayor is correctly pushing that, but in pushing it, she's creating a little bit of a of a, a, a distance there that she's creating the perception that. Uh, that uh, she doesn't have the the backs of of officers. Above and beyond that, though, I think that she's made some mistakes. Uh, She's done some things wrong that have uh, tended to accentuate that uh, perception. I mean, for instance, if you remember uh, the the Columbus statue, uh problems uh, in in the park uh, in uh, Butler Loop where uh there was essentially a riot one night where police stood there and protected that statue from being torn down after the in the protests after the George Floyd killing uh, and got bashed and thrown things thrown at and sent to the hospital or whatever and then the next day the mayor ordered the thing removed in the middle of the night uh how would you feel if you were an officer that literally got beat up for and then the mayor comes out and, and, yeah. and, and takes this thing away. It makes you look like you went on the line for nothing. Um, there's been other things like that too. Uh, the new contract though, interestingly, that the city has agreed to with, uh, with the police union, with FOP, um, uh includes a fair amount of, uh, of, uh, of reforms, uh, of the kind of accountability things and, uh, it's a surprising amount in, in to some degree. And it includes some pretty good dough. Uh, uh, it's it's an eight-year contract, but uh, but uh, some of you on the force now within four years will be getting 22% more than they are today. That's not bad, and maybe that will rebuild. Mm-hmm. If not a little trust, at least a little mutual. Let's get a long feeling between the two.
0: Yeah, because right now they, they seem to be very, very upset with, with Mayor Lightfoot. She tried to comfort the father of uh, the injured male officer, Um, He himself is a retired Chicago cop, and she got yelled at.
1: Well, she was advised apparently not to go do it, that this was going to happen. She did it anyhow. I'm not sure whether that's uh, courageous or stupid, but uh, uh, nobody will ever accuse Lori Lightfoot of not having a little bit of background and sticking to her guns. She wanted to go visit, and she did.
0: Well, Heather, uh, Wednesday night uh, there was a large prayer vigil for Officer French. What's the mood among the city's rank and file right now?
2: Uh, They are furious. They see Officer French's death as the logical result of the political movement that really began with the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis police custody in May of 2020. The calls for the defunding of the police, they also have made no bones about that they blame Mayor Lightfoot directly as well as Governor J.B. Pritzker for for what happened. They believe that, as they put it, criminals have been emboldened by efforts to reform the criminal justice system, to reduce the systematic racism that exists in the criminal justice system. And they say that that, in turn, led to, directly to the increase in crime and directly to the number of shootings, dozens and dozens of, of people shooting at officers and that it was really only a matter of time before an officer was hit um, and killed. And they say that this was all foreseeable and that the, these politicians are, are directly responsible for it. Um, and this, I think, is part of sort of a nationwide I don't want to say backlash because that may be overstating it, but certainly a response to the calls that we saw a year a year or so ago to sort of rethink how the criminal justice system works in in America, mm-hmm. and has left a really sort of it has sort of added a, another layer of pain and emotion to an already difficult discussion.
0: Greg, since her death, we we're hearing stories about how Ella French really embodied what they say was the very best of of what we want in a police officer right uh, can you tell us a bit more about what's come out about her in the last couple of days
1: well she uh, i mean this is a woman that uh, she has a, a a pretty warm personal personal story uh she's she's overcome some uh, some uh, some obstacles uh you know this is is she, a role model in a lot of ways uh and you know this, 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 this should not happen to her. Um, what, what, I, what I'd like to add, though, is that uh, I think what the police are really upset about is, is the release on bail, the no-cash bail stuff, uh, where literally murderers or whatever are in some cases are, are sent home on electronic monitoring, and maybe they stay and maybe they don't. Now, that is as per state law changes that the mayor supported, uh, but it's mostly a result of changes mandated by Kim Fox, the Cook County State's Attorney. Now, while the mayor did support Miss Fox uh, for for election last time, there's been a lot of sniping between her police department and and Kim Fox and and uh, and Tim De- and Tim Evans, the Chief Judge of Cook County, and his, mm-hmm. and his judges and the mayor's. Kind of tried to walk the line here and give a bone to both sides, but I, I fear that uh, politically she's kind of fallen off. She, she's, neither side likes her because neither side considers her some of them. She's trying right. to walk split the difference here, and I don't know that, that you can split the difference on some of this stuff. Uh,
0: Heather, what is the latest before we, we move on from the story uh, on the other officer who was shot Saturday?
2: Well, we don't know much about his condition. He hasn't even officially been identified by the police department, but we do know that he was shot in the head and that the last we heard was from the mayor on Wednesday who said that he had been making some progress and and had been somewhat improving, but there's no doubt that he faces a, a, Very, very long road of recovery, Uh, and um, I I think the whole city is probably keeping him in good thoughts and prayers.
0: And what do we know so far about uh, the the gun, where it came from? Because it was uh, illegally purchased, right?
2: That's right. That's right. So it came from Indiana and that has been the path of so many illegal guns into the city because Indiana's gun laws are significantly looser than the gun gun laws here in Illinois. And we have heard Mayor Lightfoot over and over again, ask federal officials to crack down on people who do what exactly is alleged in this situation where they purchase a gun in Indiana and it comes into Chicago and it is used as part of a crime. Now, Now, at the end of July, there was a strike force uh, that was put together by President Biden that began operating in Illinois that was supposed to crack down on exactly these sort of transactions. Um, We will all be waiting to see whether that that effort uh,
1: pays off.
0: Let's pivot the conversation now to the city budget. Greg, what did we learn about the finances this week?
1: Well, what we learned is that uh, the hole is not as bad as we uh, we feared. It's uh, only seven hundred thirty-three million dollars, not the well over a billion dollars that it was this time last year. Uh, so that's that's good. Uh, we learned that uh, the mayor is not planning to uh, to raise property taxes to fill that hole, with the exception of the uh, cost of living increase. It's now going to be automatic, as per last year's city council vote. that will be about twenty million bucks, but uh, in the scheme of things, that's a it's a fetch- nothing Um, but we also learned that uh, that there's trouble on the horizon because uh, because uh uh much of this hole is going to be filled with, with federal money, COVID relief funds that aren't going to last forever. They're going to run out in another year or two. Uh, and then what do you do? And much of this hole is going to be filled by refinancing existing city debt. Uh, the city thinks that the, the interest rates that they'll have to pay now will be lower than, the, than the they're currently paying. So they're going to, they're going to refinance and they're going to book all the savings for 20, 25 years, take the savings in the first year, even though they will actually accrue in years to come. So what that suggests to me is there's still a pretty fair-sized structural hall in the city of Chicago, and that while we'll stumble through this year, next year and the year after could be difficult.
0: Heather, how have progressive members of city council responded to the budget?
2: Well, um,
1: we're sort of at the first
2: stage of the budget process, so we won't know until mid-September with any level of specificity about precisely how Mayor Lightfoot proposes to close that $733 million budget gap. What we do know is that um, she wants to use about 40% of the federal relief package that President Biden signed into law in March to cover revenue that the city lost at the height of the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. And that will significantly reduce the ability, if that is approved by the city council, for other needs, for direct aid to Chicagoans, either in terms of cash payments, rental assistance, assistance business assistance, child care help. There's a whole range of proposals that progressive aldermen feel very strongly should be paid for with this relief package. The mayor, on the other hand, wants to use this money not to create ongoing financial obligations for the state because as Greg points out, the out years, that 2023 and 2024 are going to be difficult financially for the city uh, regardless of what happens with the pandemic and she wants to use that money to as she says holistically address the disparities exacerbated by the the pandemic that is just going to be a monster fight at city hall in the next couple of days well
0: how are progressive aldermen responding though
2: they, they are not. So it's a little bit different. So we don't have specific proposals for what the mayor wants to do with the 2022 budget. Um, they are not convinced that the mayor will address the fundamental needs facing Chicago. Um, and they're furious that she said on Wednesday that she expects that the police department's budget, which is about $1.7 billion this year, is likely to grow to recruit new officers, to fill vacant positions, and to increase officer wellness and counseling um, efforts.
0: That's Heather Sharon, WTTW Chicago Politics Correspondent. Also with us is Greg Hines, political writer with Crane's Chicago Business. We're at about the halfway mark of this recap and plenty of news still to cover. Stories like these.
1: The Chicago Department of Health added 12 more states to its COVID-19 travel advisory today. There are now a total of 31 states and two U.S. territories on the travel advisory list.
0: Illinois' pension debt ballooned to $144 billion last year.
1: The $1 trillion federal infrastructure plan is headed to the House after passing the U.S. Senate yesterday. And Illinois stands to receive $10 billion just for highways.
0: Greg, you also covered the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill that easily passed in the Senate this week. What are some of the major local projects that would get funding if the bill passes the House?
1: Well, the most obvious stuff is what you think of as traditional infrastructure. There's, uh, there's ten billion dollars just for roads. There's another like couple billion for, for, uh, for bridges in this state. There's four billion dollars for public transportation. Um, uh, there's a good chance, I think, now that the CTA's, uh, extension of the red line south of the city limits is, which has been talked about, there was no way to pay for it. Now it looks like there's a good way to pay for it. Uh, this is going to make it a little bit easier for the city to uh, build new terminals and renovate old terminals at O'Hare. Um, uh, the one that's kind of came out of left field, though, is, is the money for lead pipe replacement. Um, this is a terrible problem that uh, we've all kind of ignored, frankly, until recent years. Because, uh, you know, if there's lead in your drinking water, there's no small amount but you can ingest safely it's 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 a huge health hazard the money hasn't been there well this is going to give us what amounts to a pretty good down payment on what we need there's 15 billion dollars in there uh, nationally chicago and and the suburbs that have this problem aren't going to aren't going to get all of that uh, uh, but uh, right now they have effectively nothing the city has just the most minimal program so if we only get a billion or two billion dollars out of that that's certainly a place to start um uh, some members of our congressional delegation, particularly Senator Duckler, say they're going to try to get more in this second bigger uh, uh, infrastructure bill that's coming down the pike. Uh, uh, but uh, this certainly is, uh, is going to allow the city of Chicago to quit talking about the problem and actually start to do something because there's some real money that's going to be available.
0: Heather, mm-hmm. any general thoughts on this bill? It sure was big news this week.
2: Yes, and I think Greg is correct to point out that the most important thing in this bill for Chicago is the the money for the lead service line repro- removal project the you know the cost is is astronomical, and there is no way that the city was going to be able to um, put that bill on its own, which made federal help critical. Uh, really, the question is can the city get the work done uh, and can it can it start to make progress? Because there are 400,000 lead service lines in Chicago. And this, even though the mayor said that she would start removing them last September, as far as the city has said, not a single one has been removed in the 11 months since that. So it is a major undertaking that the city has really going to have to put its shoulder into.
0: Greg, you also wrote about how Illinois is poised to lead the charge in an industry that could get a lot of federal funding, and that's electric vehicles. What's the latest there?
1: Well, the latest there is there's two things. Uh, uh, Illinois has been fortunate enough, uh, in part because of some good actions by our leaders, to attract some uh, some electric vehicle makers, notably Rivian, the truck maker that's down in the old Mitsubishi plant in uh, in in normal Illinois. Illinois. Um, uh, it looks like we're not going to get a second plant that uh, Rivian recently announced that it wants to build somewhere in America. Uh, apparently they want to uh, diversify. They don't want to put all their uh, all their workforce here. Uh, but uh, the news yesterday uh, that came from Senator Durbin is that Samsung, the chipmaker, is, is talking, uh, is in uh, detailed talks about building a factory next to the Rivian plant normal uh, that would allow it to, to service that and other electric vehicle makers uh, in the state. Um, That's a good thing. I mean, we've all read and heard about you can't get cars because because the manufacturers can't get chips uh, that they're they're tied up uh, in overseas red tape and concerns about COVID and whatever. Well, this will not only help people who want to get cars get them quicker, but some of the some of the jobs in this fast growing industry be based here. It's good. It's good news.
0: You also wrote about the state's pension debt. It reached a record high.
1: Yeah, that's that's not good news. you know, I, uh, I've grown old and gray, I think, writing about pension problems. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh you know, the problem is it never seems to get any better. Uh, and the reason it doesn't get any better is even though we're paying $10 billion a year, uh, in the, in the new budget. For pensions, yeah, I mean that's an astronomical fund. That's a, that's a quarter of what the state government spends on everything on, on education and public safety and fighting COVID and everything else. Even though we're putting in 10 billion dollars, it's not as much as we should be putting in. So we get a little bit further every every year behind. um So it's up to 144 billion. In theory, the problem should correct itself. It. it at some point, because under a state law that took effect in in 2011, everyone hired after that date gets a reduced pension benefit, so we're having to pay for the for the now this this increased liabilities because of people who were hired earlier under the old deal. But we haven't hit the turning point yet. And I keep wondering, all right, when are we finally going to reach the point where the pension funds are in better shape, and we can put in less money? Maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, and and, and 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 it's not just the money, it's the sucks money away from all the things that are more important that we really want to pay for, like right. schools just to give, give one. Uh, you know, you talk about the solution to crime, getting, getting kids educated, getting them good jobs. Well, if we're not putting the money into schools because we're putting it into pensions, guess what? It causes problems.
0: Heather, I want to pivot over to the pandemic because as much as we want it to be over, it isn't, right? So get us us up to speed here. Where are we with these climbing COVID rates and the travel advisories we've just added to our list, correct?
2: Right. Yeah. So we're really in the thick of the Delta variant surge in Chicago, and it is increasing. We are now in the fourth wave of the pandemic really and we've seen this three times before and now the fourth where we see rising cases and then we see rising hospitalizations and then we see rising deaths and um, both Mayor Lightfoot and Governor Prisker are hopeful that the relatively high level of vaccination in Illinois will prevent it from getting out of control the way that it is in states like Texas and Florida, where the healthcare systems have been really overwhelmed with patients. Um, but it's not, you know, we're not through it yet. There, it, there's no guarantee that that will happen. And that's why the city has added 31 states and two territories back to its travel advisory to warn people against traveling to those states where COVID is really out of control. Uh, the, the hope is, is that if you discourage people from traveling to areas where COVID is uh, in bad control, it will help reduce the spread here in Chicago. Um, but, you know, whether that's going to work, I think, is very much an open question.
0: Heather, uh, Chicago Public Health Commissioner Allison Arwoody, she updated us on what I had actually heard folks calling virus palooza at one point, What did she say about COVID rates and Lollapalooza?
2: Well, she said Thursday that there was no evidence that Lollapalooza, which attracted 385 thousand people to Grant Park over four days about two weeks ago had turned into a super spreader event. The city's health department has identified 203 cases of COVID in people who were at Lollapalooza and she said that that was in line with her expectations before the festival and she said that it proves that outdoor festivals with a vaccine or COVID testing requirement can take place safely. Um, I think a lot of people are still holding their breath to see um, what the final sort of result will be. Um, You know, it was only 14 days yesterday or Thursday from the first day of the festival, which was four days. So we will have to see whether um, that holds. But the, the data is in line with it not exacerbating the increase in cases that really across the country we're coping with.
0: Greg, you wrote a couple of stories this week about big business backing vaccine mandates. Can you tell us more?
1: Yeah, um, we did a poll in in conjunction with Harris Folks, uh, where we uh, every quarter we talked to 200 uh, 10 people that are way up the food chain in in, in corporate Chicago, uh, business owners, CEOs, uh, vice presidents, uh, directors, things like that. And in this month's survey or this quarter survey, uh, these folks overwhelmingly said, uh, "Into the 70s, that uh, that uh, if people are going to come back to the office, they're going to have to be vaccinated." That seems to be what is happening nationally, Tasha. Um, uh, despite the reluctance on political basis uh, from some people and in the in in reluctance of, of some governors, uh, notably the governors in Texas and Florida, who not only uh, uh, won't uh, uh, won't do certain things, but actually banning local school districts from imposing uh, mask mandates if they want to. Uh, it looks like the business community is going to have to step up to the plate and be the bad guy here that says, sorry, I don't care if you want it or not, if you want a worker, uh, you want to be in the office, you have to get back Vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's happening nationally, and uh, if, if this poll is an indication, it's going to ha- it's going to happen here too. I mean, there's been a whole series of announcements uh, from from the uh, organizations here uh, recently. Most uh, today, just uh, Chicago Public Schools announced that uh, that uh, unless you have an exemption for religious or or, or, or medical reasons, that you're going to have to be vaccinated. I think increasingly that's that's going to be the drill. Uh, yeah. if, if you want to work in an office with other people, uh, like it or not, it's going to be deemed be your responsibility yeah. to take a reasonable step and get the shot so you can't hurt other people
0: i couldn't agree more i think that's definitely the the, the direction we're heading in before we go because we're running out of time quick stories that are on your radar for the coming week heather you first
2: Well, we're due, I mentioned Alderman Ed Burke's case, we're due for a major filing in his attempt to toss out a whole bunch of um, evidence that the federal government collected via wiretap. It will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, And, you know, we're going to, I'm going to be diving deep into the information that we got and trying to make sense of what the city's financial picture looks like going forward.
1: Greg? Two things, the continuing crime wave in Chicago and whether the mayor is going to get a handle on it or not. And second, this is an offshoot of the census. Uh, when the state legislature recently approved their state legislative maps, they didn't use the census figures. They used an earlier census product called the American Community Survey. Well, it turns out that that American Community Survey data undercounted Latinos uh, by the tens of thousands. And it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting now uh, with the prospect of a court suit if they don't comply, What the legislative views will go back and take it with these maps and create some more Latina districts than they did initially.
0: That is Greg Hines, political writer for Crane Chicago Business, and Heather Sharon, Chicago politics reporter for WTTW's Chicago Tonight. Thank you both for joining us. And that's this week's recap from WBEZ's Reset. If you've got a minute, leave us a review on this podcast. It really does help other listeners find us. That's it for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Get out there and enjoy the sunshine this weekend. We'll meet again on Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more